Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven is part of designnetwork.org, exclusive architecture and design podcasts, reaching creative listeners worldwide. Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I'm your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in eastern Massachusetts, and my work consists of additions and renovations to existing homes. So this podcast started out as a library of information uh, for clients about elements that go into a home renovation. Lately, I've been interviewing homeowners about their own home renovations, which I hope others find interesting and informative as well. And many of my interviews are with architects, and um, some of them are talking about their own renovations and what they learned along the way. And today is one of those episodes where my guest is Caitlin Parker, and she's an architect from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We talk about her experience buying and renovating her first house. Here's a conversation. When we moved to Tulsa, one, we didn't know anybody here. Two, we didn't really have a belonging to Tulsa. So not a soul in the in the town, in the whole city, um, other than my boss. So my life was Brian and working. And when we bought the house, we also bought a community. We we bought into a neighborhood that was very connected. I think old house neighborhoods typically like, I feel like they lead to that more than like new neighborhoods where you pull into your garage and you never see your neighbors. Like right. I pull in, I have to at least walk outside from my garage to my house or we'll sit on the front porch and we'll, you know, see people. We also had a very active neighborhood association because we were in a kind of a depressed area in the city. So we had to uh, connect with each other to get services together and, you know, just to get stuff going here. Um, and I think that that connectedness is what my house means to me. Like it became a place where I felt at home. It became a place where I felt settled. I made friends like the only friends that I have in Tulsa are either my neighbors or the people that I work with. And mostly the friends that have stuck have been the neighbors. <laughs> Well, who else, who else is there really, Caitlin? I know, exactly. How do you meet people as an adult? Yeah. And also I think people in old house neighborhoods, it's kind of more built for walking for one thing. So your neighbors might walk by your house, you walk by their house. They're interested, mm, I'm going to guess, more in their house and the neighborhood mm -hmm. and the fabric mm -hmm. of the neighborhood exactly. than in the newer developments where it's very self-contained, as you said, you just drive into the house basically and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm invested in my neighbor's property because I want it to look, well, I'm not trying to control my neighbors, but you know, I, I'm like, I'm interested in what the whole neighborhood looks like. Cause I fell in love with the neighborhood as well as just my house. Right. It's a character thing. So I'm yeah. also a preservation commissioner. Um, so I get to battle that. And a lot of my mission in that is teaching people why their house is valuable and also why they should value their neighbor's houses. Um, because they bought it in the neighborhood for a sense of place and character. And if we just let everyone do whatever they want to their house and de essentially destroy the fabric of the neighborhood, like we can't do that. Also, there's some things that you could do to your house that cannot be undone. Like you replace your windows, you can't undo that. You can't take those original historic windows and put them back. They went into a dumpster. Oh, I know, don't even <laughs> remind me. <laughs> So like a lot of what my house has taught me and what my house means to me is to value craftsmanship and to value things that last a long time. Um, so I think that 
old houses, that's, that's part of the charm is that somebody a hundred years ago, 50, even 50 years ago now, because now we're talking about 1970 being historic. Oh, okay. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. I remember I that. I remember that era. But some, some craftsperson 50 to 100 years ago thought about that and put it in place and cared about it enough to make it happen. Um, typically, the 100-year-olds have a little bit more care than the newer yeah. stuff, but still. <laughs> how, how old is your house? 1911. 1911, okay. So it's 100 and, it'll be 110 this year. Yeah. So. so when you got this house, it kind of changed your architectural practice. Yeah. What's so, your architectural practice like now? <laughs> Well, let me, let me back up and say why. So when, when we moved to Tulsa, I didn't know I loved old houses. I just, I liked the character of this house in particular. It has some amazing features. There's the arch, there's the trim, there's the old windows. There's this crazy porch out front. I fell in love with it when we first, when I saw it, when we first moved here. And then it took six months to really figure out, yeah, I should buy that thing. Mm. Um, so in living in the house in working on the house it has taught me the appreciation of craft and the appreciation of old houses like i probably would have said i was a modern architect before that i liked more of a modern aesthetic and now i'm i'm really into craftsmen i'm really into the detail that goes into an old house and when i do do a modern house i bring that level of detail to the modern house. I think that stark modern is just not, it's just not my style. And unfortunately that's what, so the school I went to was kind of in the 1930s modern era. That's kind of how they taught architecture. Yeah. Where, um, where was that? and whatnot. I went to University of Cincinnati. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's just kind of what they teach in. It, it is what they I mean. teach. And there was a preservation track and I I kick myself for not doing it. But at the time I wasn't interested, like at some point in grad school, we went to Rhode Island breakers and we went through all of these amazing old houses. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. Old houses, whatever. And if I went through it now, I would be losing my mind over all of the details. Like I just, I didn't pay attention, you know, 20, I was, maybe 23. I was dumb, young and dumb, yeah. you know? Well, um, I know. Unfortunately, that's when we get our training is when we're young and dumb. I know. That's when we get married, when we're young and dumb. We do a lot of things, a lot of things <laughs> when we're in our twenties. I'm just joking about the marriage thing, but you know, there's a lot of big decisions we make when we really don't know what we truly like yet. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel really lucky having made this decision also when I was young and dumb and bought this house that I thought would be done in a year. And now we're 10 years in and it's not done. Um, But yeah, so that has changed my practice and how much I pay attention to details. Like I did pay attention to details before and I was always super detail oriented in how I practiced architecture. Um, But the interest in that detail and just looking at things differently than I did before is maybe how that has changed my practice. And it also gave me the courage to do it myself. I, for a long time, didn't think that I was going to ever own a firm. Um, If you'd asked 16-year-old me when I wanted to be an architect, I was like, yeah, I'm going to own my own firm someday. And then I went to school and then I worked in the field for a while. I was like, I don't know if I ever want to own my own firm. That's so much because it's a lot of, you know, business. Yeah. Like business stuff. (laughs) It's a lot. And I think that I told myself that I was never good at the like initial design concept, like the big ideas. And when we're talking about something like 
big, big ideas. Like let's do a school or something even bigger than that, like a stadium or any of those really big architecture projects. I was never really interested in that because I couldn't wrap my head around the amount of detail that has to go into that because I'm pretty detailed focused. So like I couldn't just see big picture. I always looked at detail, but in a house, you can kind of switch back and forth between detail and big picture and the detail lends itself to the big picture and like it can drive it both ways. So the big picture can drive the detail and the detail can drive the big picture. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And I think that owning an old house and studying those made me understand that I could do that. So gave me the courage to start my own practice and do that. So, (laughs) And when, when did you start your own practice? We, I started January this year. Um, It's been in the works for a while. Uh, I've been kicking around the ideas of doing that for a while. Entree Architect was a big part of that for me. Um, Probably five or six years, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And finally, it just was time. Obviously, COVID made it a reality that I could work from home, like that I liked working from home, that um, I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to accomplish things at home or, you know, wouldn't be able to focus. But you just have to set a space aside and yeah, yeah, you just it do works. it. So, right. So, what did you learn from the whole process? Would you say of my house? Obviously, the biggest thing is there's a sequence of events that has to happen. And as young architects, we don't really understand how things go together and in the order that they go together. And in working on my house, it made it very clear, like you have to do this and then this and then this. So like framing and then, you know, sheetrock and then finish or whatever, that there's different trades and how the trades come in, like the framing goes up, but then a lot has to happen once the framing goes up. So like understanding all the guts and things and that there's just a sequence to everything and everything touches everything else. Like, while I want to move that light. Well, that means that you have to bust into the sheetrock to move that light or, and then you have to patch that whole and like just small things turn into bigger projects. Um, yeah. I, that, I, I, it, I run into that a lot with people saying, can I just move this wall? Like, yeah, it's really easy for me to take this wall off the plan. That's going to take me no time, but the wall <laughs> involves the ceiling and the floor and the electrical. Yes. It's often not as simple as it, as it no. seems. Well, and how the floor joists lay on the wall, do they lay on top of that wall? Do I right, have to right. then support those joists? Like all those things, it's, it's not super easy necessarily to just move a wall. <laughs> Although sometimes it is. My favorite story is the moving the door in the laundry room. <laughs> what? Tell me about that. So when we, one of our first projects, me and Brian, my husband um, together was to rework the laundry room. We were going to move the door because the door was against the outside wall. We were going to move it two feet over so that I had space on one side to put basically a counter um, that I didn't have. And we're standing there ready to tear into this. And he's like, have you done this before? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, no, I think he asked me, do you know what you're doing? And I said, yes. And then he said, have you done this before? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but I know what I'm doing. It's okay. <laughs> so I'd already Funny. figured out that it wasn't a load bearing wall, that we weren't going to be in trouble that all we had to do was cut this stud and like move it over. And he just, he brings it up all the time. Like you lied to my face. Well, I didn't think that you'd trust me if I told you I hadn't done it before. (laughs) 
Well, I, yeah, I don't know who I side with on that one, but anyway, <laughs> it worked out okay. And now you know how to do it, right? I do. I do know how to do it. Like I knew how to do it in theory. It's not hard right. to frame an opening. So <laughs> and I did yeah. know there wasn't structure that was bearing on it because I'd been in the attic. Like I've, I've seen all of the guts of this house. Like I'm very familiar with the attic. I'm very familiar with the basement. I have not done the crawl space. Mm. mostly because it's not crawlable and I wouldn't fit. I would never get out. (laughs) Can you imagine? That would be so awful. I was in the attic before we bought the house because when we were looking at the house to buy it, I'm like, I got to check this attic out and really see. So I have pictures from like when we're looking at the house of a bunch of stuff in the attic. Yeah. It's one of the things. So like if I were to do this again, what would I do differently? Um, I would document better. I miss that I did not document all that I've done because I look around and I'm like, man, nothing is done. What have we done in 10 years? And then like you start to list it and you're like, holy, I did. I did a bunch of things. Like, yeah, I wish I'd been keeping an Instagram for the whole time. (laughs) No, I know that's great for that. (laughs) Um, Or at least taking photos as I did projects. Like we painted this room. I say we, I painted this room (laughs) three years ago and I don't even remember doing it. It's that bad. And I didn't really take pictures. Like I have pictures when we did the paint samples, but I didn't take any process pictures. I just yeah. did it. Just yeah. Did yeah. Thing. I, I mean, you might think like, who even cares, but you'll care later. You should document it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I spent like the homeowner might say, why should I bother? But just do it anyway. Worst case, you have some extra photos. Well, and then you can kind of understand like what you went through to get where you are. Like there's yeah. value in that. There's value in that effort. For yep. sure. Yep. So. And you can and put I, it on Instagram. And you can put it on Instagram. <laughs> and I really, mean, if anyone else cares, fine. But I care. It's fun to look back on that stuff. Yeah, and, it is. It's just like a place to keep. Yeah, I don't know. You're just, you're you're fixing up old houses. I love old houses. And I love seeing other people fix up their old houses. I love seeing other people's hinges. I don't know why. <laughs> Those photos, I just think they're so cool. The stairways. I just love them. So, I do too. I do too. Yeah, I. I I love, I love Instagram with the old houses. Yeah. Instagram's has a fabulous old house community and I'm, and I'm grateful because I've learned a lot of, I've actually learned things there too. Um, and things that I wouldn't think that I could tackle that I'm now planning to tackle. And that's another thing that I've, if I, I wish I'd done differently is maybe slow down and do things a little more right than Mm -hmm. some of the things that I've done. Um, obviously our budget was, non-existent in the beginning. Uh, we spent an awful lot of time peeling wallpaper and the wallpaper was a major problem in a couple rooms where we had, it was like one with the sheetrock. And now knowing what I know, I would have just pulled the (laughs) sheetrock and done the sheetrock again, instead of fighting, trying to patch up the sheetrock. Um, Cause it would have allowed me to fix some things that I, I can't fix now because I have finished it. So <laughs> yeah, like electrical. I mean, if you have to do any electrical work and you have wallpaper that is one with the cheap rock, just take yeah. it all off. Yeah. Or I wish I'd insulated the exterior walls that way too. Like that yeah, would have allowed yeah. me to do that properly. I know how to do that now. Um, but I didn't, I didn't at the time and I haven't had the, like, I like to think of my house as like a laboratory. It's an experiment. So well, I mean, I we can't help ourselves. Well, yeah. 
I do the the things that I'm not sure I want to tell the client to do here to mm-hmm. see if it works. And then if it yeah. works, then I can tell the client, yeah, that works great. I did it on my house. So <laughs> I'm looking at the picture of your house right now. It is very cool. I can't put, I can't put images in the show notes. So I have episode enhancements and that's where I have the photos. Uh, okay. So okay. for people who want to go to my website and they can go to this, this episode's episode enhancement, and then I'll have, and you know, these photos and it is like a house. I, we definitely do not have a house like this in all of Massachusetts. I'm going to say <laughs> everyone, when they see it, they're like, Oh my gosh, your trim is so unique. And I guess it is. That's that like little it has a little cross basically at the top and it's pointy and I've never seen it anywhere else, but my neighbor's house actually has kind of similar trim on the exterior. It's just squared off. And I'm like, well, I wonder who thought that up and who thought it up first and who stole the idea from who. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really intriguing. And the outside of your house, I don't even know what to call it. That's this banding on your, on your fireplace. Oh yeah. 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 And then you have like clabbered and then trim and then the skirt of shingles. And then if there's brick. Yeah, it's all brick involved. Yeah, so there's a brick foundation, which is pretty typical. We don't have a full one. A lot of places in Tulsa don't have basements. So the only the only houses in Tulsa that have basements are the ones built basically before 1930. Everything after that is basically either a crawl space or a slab on grade. I have a I actually have a tiny basement. So I have a partial basement. It's only about 12 feet by 12 feet. Um, It's just. Like a it's kind of like under the kitchen and uh, a little bit under the hall, but it's, it's not very big, um, but it's enough for part of, so I come from Michigan and I was terrified of tornadoes as a child because of Twister, because that shows or that movie scarred us all. I know it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty scary. Those tornadoes are coming for you. They're going to chase you down. Um, so moving to Oklahoma was a little bit terrifying. We actually moved the day of the F5 tornado that went through Joplin. Like we missed it by two hours. Um, that is scary. So they actually closed the highway and we were just driving through these storms on these back Kansas roads. Like, what have we done? Why did we move to Tulsa? We're going to die here. <laughs> yeah. So when we looked for a home, having some kind of a tornado shelter or a basement was really important to us. Um, so that tiny basement is, is helpful in tornado season when we sirens are going off and we have to ditch the oh, basement. Yeah. But I've gone native because now I'll kind of stand on the stairs and look out the window and watch, which I would never have done as a child. Well, you're coming along then. See, so, uh, do you know who built your house? My house was built by an architect. Um, his name is, uh, JP Curtin. He also built the, the Brady mansion. So Tate Brady, who's pretty infamous in Tulsa, um, quite possibly had a big hand in the Tulsa race massacre. Um, he was definitely part of the KKK. Anyway, not a good dude. The guy that designed my house designed his house, which is just down the street from mine. Um, and there are some similar characteristics. I have these really odd doors that are like, there's, they're, they're not panel doors. So they're slab, they're inch and three quarter. They look like modern doors. They're really weird, but the Brady mansion also has those. So I have to Mm. think that they're original Leftover, um, maybe from that project, possibly. Or JP thought, "Man, these are really cool. This is like the new thing." And he put them in his house, and he put them. Yeah, that's like, right. I, can, I can relate to that as an architect. <laughs> to be like, 
you know, yeah, that's probably what happened. Yeah. He thought this is the new thing. Like I can right. get this cool new product and put right. it in or my he house. Probably said, this is what I have in my house. Yeah. So I just installed these doors. Really good deal from yeah. this place. Yeah, yeah. these are great. Mm. Um, and that's actually a funny story. If we have time, I could tell the story when he built the house. Sure. He's kind of a kind of a not great guy. Um, Who's not a great guy? The architect? J.P. Curtin, yeah. Um, oh. So he bought the land with a loan from a guy and they started building the house. And I know this because I read the abstract um, and it's in there in like legalese, but I just kind of like figured the story out from the abstract. So he bought the land with a loan, started building the house. He was supposed to pay the loan back in a year and he didn't. And the guy comes and he start and he sues him. He's like, hey, you didn't pay me. Oh, and then the lumber company that's building the house was like, hey, you also haven't paid us. So they both sue him. And he's like, it basically, I don't know anybody anything. <laughs> And the house gets sold at sheriff's auction. He never paid the loan back. And then his, and then the house gets sold back to his wife. So the lumber company buys it at sheriff's auction. And then they sell it back to Fanny Curtin, which was JP's wife. Uh, so yeah, he ended up, I don't think he ever paid for the land. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Oh, Don't yeah. do that. That is not a thing you should model your, no. your own project over, but no. okay, so he, he took a loan out for the land. He did not pay it. He sold his house to the lumber company who he also had not paid. So and then the lumber company sold it back to his wife. So the lumber company is kind of in on the deal. It may have, they may have been honestly. Um, and it, it's weird. Well, they, they sold it at sheriff's auction auction. So like they took the, the house back. Um, and basically the lumber company said, okay, well, we'll buy it at Sheriff's Austin because we've already got this money in and that's the only way we're going to get our money. So they sold it back for, they sold it back to Fannie for the amount of money they were suing JP for to pay them. Okay. And then they, I assume finished building the rest of the house and paid that note off, but there's never any record that he paid the guy he borrowed the money for the land back. Wow. And I don't know if that got somehow, it was weird. I don't know if that got resolved in sheriff's auction, but you know, hundred year old records, something yep. might be missing, but we hope right. that he did maybe eventually pay for the land. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So anything else you learned in the process before, before we wrap up any final words of advice to first time home buyers, maybe? who are impatient to get going and maybe even young architects who think they know, know everything, think they know everything and just want to go ahead. And yeah, I, as a young architect myself, I insisted on doing things at my first house that my current me would say, you really don't, that's total overkill. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Why exactly. don't we do it in a less expensive way that makes more sense? My current me would go back and have a little chat with past me if I could. Yeah. So if, think, if you could, what would you say? I think the best advice that I can give is to slow down and think about it. If you can live in the house safely before you do any renovations, do that. Live in it. See what the house tells you that it wants. See how you live in the house. Because we all have ideas about how we're going to live in our house. And then when you actually do live in your house, it teaches you a different way to live. Like, 
if I'd come in young and dumb and blown open the wall to the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, because HGTV tells us we all need an open concept mm-hmm. floor plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would be crying now because I love that the kitchen is separated. I can make a holy mess in there and I can walk away from it. Um, and it's not a huge kitchen. It's a tiny kitchen, but I'm one person cooking. I mean, I'm not cooking for an army. And it's actually really convenient to just, you know, take two steps from one thing to the other. Like, I don't need a massive palatial kitchen. Um, So like just kind of learning your house and learning how you can live with it. And if if there isn't something you can live with, like you can always change it. So that's true. You don't have to do it right, right this minute. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Although it feels like it. So if you do move into a new house, new to you house, you want to do something. I mean, I think it's safe. You could peel off the wallpaper and paint mm-hmm. rooms yourself if you want. That seems mm-hmm. like it feels like you're accomplishing something. Yes. You're kind of changing the look. But I would also say don't paint the trim yet if it hasn't been painted. Yeah, please don't. Just wait. Just <laughs> wait you, on that. You will cry if you want it to be not painted later. <laughs> yeah. That is something that just don't do that right away. Like really, yeah. really think about that one. Yeah. So go ahead and paint your house. What else? What else could people do when they first first move in? Before you move in, the only thing that I would do before I moved in, if I had this to do again, is the floors. I yeah. would have done the floors first because it is such a nightmare to move all your furniture out to do the floors. That is that is something that I would say do before you move in. If they're not in great shape, um, if you think you're going to do them down the road, uh, do that. But also find someone who can maybe not just sand and do poly. Like sometimes old houses don't need a good sanding and you can kind of just do like a simple, you can do some more simple things that are not like grind the floors down. Um, So how can people follow you in your practice and hire you if they're in your area? I I am bungalow roots on Instagram. That's probably the easiest place to find me. Um, our, I also have bungalowroots.com, my website. Um, I'm currently building a new one. So there's not much information on there right now. It's just a kind of placeholder. Uh, Hey, hello, I hear, I'm here. Um, In Tulsa, I, if you have an old house in Tulsa or even in Oklahoma, um, I'm more than happy to make house calls. And I have a range of services. Um, I'm happy to just kind of like come and talk about what you might want to do. I obviously... I'm big into DIY and enabling people to do it themselves. Um, so I'm all about that. And then also anything in between. Um, so yeah. Okay. That's where you can find me. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, uh, take care and send any updates you want. And, you know, maybe I'll put them on my website as like a little addendum, but I'll have these, <laughs> these photos anyway. So definitely check out these photos. Cause really I've never seen a house like it but well, I don't you. get to Oklahoma much. <clears throat> it's true. It's but. not common here either, but we do have an awful lot of bungalows here. We have a lot of wonderful houses here. So, well, which is part of why I love living here. So <laughs> you'll have to come through sometime. It's time for yeah. another cross country trip. I think anytime Catherine, I have a guest room and we'll, I don't know. Well, move the office I'm going to take, take you up on that. I'll probably take you up on it. Thanks to Caitlin for taking all the time with me recording this episode. And, you know, I'm kind of taken by her house. I hope you do check out the episode enhancements on my website to see the photos of the house because it's really unusual. I really haven't ever seen a house like it. And anyway, it's always kind of fun to see the photos of a house that you're hearing about and maybe get a little 
more clarity on why people, why someone loves their house so much. You just get to see the visual. I don't. Personally, I'm visual. So um, after the interview, we were talking about how her house was in the red light district of Tulsa up until the 80s, I think. And her neighbors have informed her that the fountain in the photo is um, was the bath for the working ladies. So, I don't know, pretty colorful history there. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And, you know, if you have any feedback, please get in touch. You can email me at uh, thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I am Talking Home Renovations on Facebook and also Instagram, The House Maven on TikTok. And I am dusting off my Twitter account. And over there, it's Talking Home Reno. So join me over there because I really don't know what I'm doing and it would be nice to have some company or a couple followers. So anyway, that that would be great. And if you get a chance to review this podcast, if you have a chance to rate it, those both of those things would be helpful to me. So and tell your friends about this episode, about this podcast. And also just let me know if it's if if it's helpful, if I'm on the right track. I'm thinking of doing another um, another kind of perspective with architects who have been working with clients and what those projects were like. I just feel like, well, obviously I'm an architect, so I think it's interesting. Uh, and maybe people out there don't really understand 100% what uh, architects can do or why they might need an architect or what, how we fit into the whole process. Anyway, I'm going to be doing some episodes on that coming up probably. And I'm also starting this mastermind group. So if you're going to start a home renovation, um, you might want to be a part of this. And what it is, it's going to be a group of about nine people. We're going to meet weekly to support each other during uh, during the renovations. We'll be on Zoom. And it's for a six-month period. I'll be on each call as a moderator for the group. We'll you know have a brief check-in with everybody, address a question or a problem for one of the members. Um one or two of the members or whatever. And, and the reason for doing this is just to have su- support and camaraderie as you work through your planning and uh, construction process. And, and you can talk to your friends about it, but talking to people who are going through it or have just recently gone through it, you know, honestly, they might be a little more interested than your friends if you keep talking to your friends, same friends about it. At least that's been my experience. So, you know, we all have questions and concerns and triumphs and tips and everything. So, Write to me if you'd be interested in being a part of that. I think we'll probably launch the first the first masterminds in September or possibly August if there's more um, more interest. So anyway, send me an email about that. And uh, this has been a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. So until next time, take care.